0: for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: You're listening to episode number 78 of Living the Dream with Rory O'Malley. Audition, side jobs, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hello Dreamers, Rory O'Malley here, your host for Living the Dream. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell everyone and write a review and rate us on iTunes if you can. My guest today is Josh Lehman, a buddy of mine who I've known for years. We did Little Miss Sunshine over at Second Stage Off-Broadway. He is just, he is sunshine. He is so much fun. He is a, just a funny guy on stage, and just loving. You just want to give him hugs, and and uh, I said this in the interview, but every time he walks in a room, it kind of lights up, and everyone is happy he's there. Um, we talk a lot about his uh, his journey, his ups and downs, which he really gets very vulnerable and honest about his his journey to Broadway which I really appreciate. You know, that makes me so happy when people are honest on the podcast because it's not easy to be honest about the the harder times, but he certainly is doing well right now. He's in The Prom on Broadway which I got to see and absolutely loved. Go see The Prom on Broadway. It is a theater lover's dream of a musical. Here's my conversation with Josh Lehman. Hi Josh. Hi Rory. How you doing?
0: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: I'm great. I'm so glad to be talking to you. You're one of my favorite people.
0: Aw, you. You,
1: <laughs> you uh, are, like, honestly, you're just one of the funniest people on Broadway. And I am so glad that I got to be in a show with you, Little Miss Sunshine, at second stage, because you made me laugh the entire process <laughs>
0: you're, you're
1: the guy when he walks through the room at the first day everyone is like
0: yay we're gonna have
1: fun because Josh is here
0: oh and that's so sweet
1: it's it's true I know that you bring a lot of enthusiasm and um, laughter and uh, you're just a good leader in a room
0: oh wow well thank you very much I, I learned it all from you <laughs>
1: <laughs> um right now you're in a show called the prom on Broadway the
0: prom
1: which by some miracle I had to go to New York for like 48 hours and I got to see it it is so so funny so good what is this sh- what has this show been like for you and how long have you been involved with it?
0: It's been a dream. Um, I started with it six and a half years ago. Oh my god, really? I know. Yeah, and uh, I was in the ensemble at the time. My big line was, my son doesn't have to go to some homosexual prom. Uh,
1: and um, Which is basically the whole play, so that was a big line.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And then when we were out of town with it in Atlanta, uh, they... They decided to change some things around. They had a really incredible actor playing the role of Sheldon. But it was just like a, I don't know. It was just a really shitty situation where he was like, he just didn't fit into the world that, that the other celebrities were in. Right. Celebrities being the people, the characters. Right. Um, and uh, so at the very, very last second, uh, they decided to bump me up into the part. And I've just been really lucky to have stayed with it ever since.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah, it is amazing.
1: The thing is, is that a lot of times people don't realize like you have to really commit to something for years to be there waiting in the wings, almost (laughs) literally for that moment when they're like, okay, you're in, this is, this is you now, you know what we've been doing with this. So we're going to need you to carry the ball in this part now.
0: Yeah. Um, And it's it's exhilarating. It's also devastating because you're watching somebody that you know and that you've been working with kind of, you know, for lack of better terms, get the boot. And that is awful to watch. Yeah, I I mean, we're all actors and we all get it and we all see that happen all the time.
1: we've been on the other side of it.
0: Yeah. And um, so, but then also there's an extra terrifying aspect to when you do take over. It feels like every day is an audition.
1: Yeah. and um, Isn't that just true for every day of our lives as actors, though?
0: <laughs> that is until you have the contract. And then you're yeah. like, okay, so now I'm okay for a couple of months.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Um, it's scary. It's scary when you are in a situation like that and someone's been disappointed. You're stepping into their place and you have to prove that all that drama was worth it.
0: Yeah, literally, when Casey approached me about it, I was like, well, why don't you just cut the character? Like, I'm I'm happy being out of the crosshairs in the ensemble and covering Brooks.
1: Right. Right. <laughs>
0: and, um, you know, but I'm very glad that things worked out that the way that they worked out. And the other actor, you know, he's fine. He does movies all the time. And, right. He's doing great, but, um, you you know, it was still bittersweet when
1: something like that happens. It usually is for a reason and he'll go on and do something really exciting and cool. But I I mean, I think it's, it's such a great part because it's the publicist for these, these narcissistic out of control, (laughs) egomaniac actors. You're like the gasoline on the fire. You're like making their, their egos go even more out of control. Um, it's such a, Important role, so I see why it needed to be there. Because you kind of you're the reason that you're like, okay, let's go to this town, and and uh, this is yeah. how we make the most publicity, the big make the biggest stink. Um, but you for six and a half years, how, yeah. many times, how many times did you work on like readings or?
0: Oh God, um, I mean we've had so many readings. We had two labs, the out of town, and also like to touch on having to, you know, be with a show for a long time. Yeah. It was also a scary decision I, uh, you know, I I had to leave Finding Neverland to go do it. Really? And um you know, it's it was hard because I knew that Neverland was going to close at some point. They hadn't announced closing yet. Right. but you know you you just see it happening before it does usually right and so I knew that like it was going to be saying goodbye to that forever it was going to be saying goodbye to like a really fierce paycheck yeah and all in the risk of like I love this show I believe in this show and I really hope hope other people see the see it the way that I do right
1: well this this show the prom really feels like I was trying to describe it to you backstage, and I don't know if I'm if I'm doing it justice, but it it, it feels like it's one for us, for the for, for basically for me and you, and for everyone who <laughs> listens to this podcast, because it is really like there's a lot of insider jokes of, mm-hmm. of Broadway that people are just howling and going crazy for. But then there's also the storyline of the high school where you have. A, 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 a young lesbian who wants to bring her girlfriend to the prom, and this high school in Indiana, which is where my husband's from, um, <laughs> it, it, they don't let her come bring bring her girlfriend to the prom. Or they don't want her to, so they just cancel the prom. That's kind of where it starts. So yeah. there's, there's two plot lines really about narcissistic actors uh, <laughs> like myself, and <laughs> and then there's and then there's this amazing social. Uh, commentary about where we are in in high schools right now. So I think it, there's something for everyone.
0: Yeah, and that's actually what I really love about it. I love the representation. Um, it has been, you know, a goal of mine to try to get every LGBTQ kid in the tri-state area, if not the world, to the show to see the show. I love that. And to see that they're not alone. To see that. There's a community that loves them. There are other people that love them outside of their community. And in their community, wherever they are, there's hope. Right. People do change.
1: That that was my favorite part of the show. There's huge, huge laughs all throughout. Everyone in it. it basically, it's the greatest musical comedians of Broadway on a stage. That is, yeah. I mean, it's so, so funny. But there's this moment that really took me by surprise when the uh, lead actress is, um, she is sitting on her bed making a video and she's reaching out to all the other kids who are like her, who are are gay. And it is such a beautiful song and it really kind of took me by surprise how emotional I got just listening to it and realizing how special it is to be where we are now where kids have the ability to reach Mm -hmm. out to each other online. In that way, where we were just in like AOL chat rooms.
0: Even then, like, uh, I mean, I went through a huge born again phase in high school where I would pray to, to be, you know, quote unquote normal, where I would pray that there would be one other person. That was like me. And then, of course, a few years later, there was like AOL chat rooms. And I was like, oh, my God, there's a whole world out there. And there's also leather and like whatever, (laughs) (laughs) you know, other stuff that you find online. Yeah. In those chat rooms. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm very grateful that we're in a place now where, pardon me, you don't need an AOL chat room. Right. To know that you're not alone.
1: Yeah. 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 There's versions of you. All over the place, all over the social media. So so let's go, though, to where you grew up. Where where were you born?
0: I grew up in San Diego. And Sunny San Diego. I, uh, yes, it is. Um, in this little town, or at least it was when I was there, called Poway, which was known as the city in the country. Huh. And uh, we had That's a big performing tagline. arts center um, across the street from nothing. Hmm. And... Um, yeah, since then it's really boomed. It's completely overpopulated. It's like very wealthy now, which is odd cuz when I was growing up, we barely had a target. Really? Yeah, so now it's just like a lot of rich people. So a lot you... of the padres live there.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Where did you end up like getting into theater? Was it at your high school or
0: Oh no, no, no. Bro, way before that. Um ever since I was I can remember my mom used to take me to see plays at San Diego Junior Theater. which is where like Casey Nicola and Brian Stokes and all those people started too.
1: Right.
0: And um, it was just my happy place. And um, my parents were really cool in the sense that they learned quickly that I love theater. And so from there they started taking me to see like every national tour from like chess and follies, which were just like way over my head and, um, and beyond. So, And I started performing at like local community theaters and, um, the, you know, and local regional stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's how I started.
1: And did you know that you wanted to do it for a living at that time or was it just fun?
0: Oh, no. It was everything I wanted. When I was in fifth grade, I remember having this huge fight with my mom because she wouldn't take me to LA to get an agent. (laughs) and i vividly remember screaming at her that she was ruining my career (laughs) and i you know and she was like you're 10 you don't have one and i was very much of the mindset of like and whose fault is that right
1: right um well god bless her she she probably saved you a lot of uh (laughs) hell (laughs) I mean, it takes, it takes a lot to be a young kid. And I can imagine if I was that close to Los Angeles, you know, being in Cleveland, I was safe. No, you know, there was no business anywhere near around me, but you know, like you, you have to have like a really, really, uh, strong foundation of, of parents who want that for you because they have to guide you through all that stuff. And I think that your mom clearly just wanted you to be kid.
0: Yeah, and she also didn't want to be driving me back and forth yeah. to LA every day. Yeah, which as an adult I totally get. Yeah, well, and as there's... a kid I I felt it was a betrayal.
1: Right, and it's it sounds like you clearly got all the experience that you needed in San Diego. Where where did you go to school, or what brought you out of San Diego?
0: Oh my God! Well, I had terrible grades, horrible, horrible, horrible grades. Like my parents, oh my God, my parents didn't even think I was going to graduate. Um. When I came to school, like, I just, I hated it. I was terrible at it. And also, like, I was bullied and stuff. So, like, I mean, weren't we all? But by senior year, I was like, I'm not going. And um, my dad came to me and said, I found a college that will take you. And I was like, tell me more. (laughs) And it was the University of the Arts in Philadelphia.
1: Right.
0: And sure enough, they absolutely took me. Um, It was the only place I applied to. Um, And, you know, little did I know at the time that, and, you know, no disrespect, this was years ago. I'm sure the college is wonderful now. But it was pretty busted. Um, Mm. I got the most promising artist scholarship, and I was so excited. And I got to school, and I found out that everybody gets the most promising artist scholarship. So it's sort of like the oh. Special Olympics of art schools. Wow! Yeah,
1: everyone gets yeah. the most promising. Well,
0: everyone.
1: Well, everyone is promising. Um, I guess it's it's t- the most compared to what? Maybe just compared to other people in your hometown.
0: I guess maybe, <laughs> or like out of my family, out yeah. of the people that I worked with, you know.
1: Right. Well, so so you it, you said it was busted, but do, what were the tools <clears throat> that you took from your time there?
0: Well, I I didn't. When I was in college, my main function was doing drugs and partying.
1: Oh, okay. All right. And so, so that was really what took up all your time and you feel like you didn't get much of it. A...
0: Pretty much at that school. I was so busy just being free from my parents right. and partying my ass off. Like, and I not just being surrounded by bullies. And... Exactly. All of a sudden I was cool all of a sudden, you know, like you know, I was doing what I loved. Theater was always sort of easy for me. Keep in mind was I very good? No. I was not, but um I ended up learning the hard way and um I dropped out of school halfway through sophomore year. And when I dropped out of school, my parents were like, "Oh, cuz they were heavily supporting me. They were like, "Oh, well, welcome to the real world. Good luck to you. Right. And, um, you know, next thing you know, like I made a lot of terrible, terrible decisions. I think I've talked to you about all this. Like, um, I, you know, I definitely was in an abusive relationship with another druggie and we lived in this dilapidated crack house in South Philadelphia. I worked at fire. I worked at Starbucks and then eventually was fired. And, um, Then I became a phone sex operator.
1: I do know this part of your bio.
0: Yeah. So like, (laughs) I did not make things easy for myself. Right. And, you know, to make a long story short, the way I got out of that was media theater was doing Jekyll and Hyde with Andy Carl. and Andy
1: Carl to the rescue.
0: Andy Carl to the rescue. (laughs) And, you know, I didn't know anything at the time. I just went up there and auditioned. Uh And next thing you know, they were calling and being like, hey, well, we have an extra equity card. Do you want it? Wow. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do want that equity card. And literally, it saved my life. Like, I did almost every show in their season that year. And then from that, um, one of the music directors was directing the Philadelphia premiere of bat boy was working on it. And, Uh um, you know, brought, because Philly is like Chicago. It's a very, very tight theater scene. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not easy to break into. And, um, you know, he was like, you have to see this kid for, uh, Reverend Hightower. And uh, who else does he play? The, the mom of the bully or something. And, um, Next thing you know, I was doing that. And then oh, all the other show theaters. For you, just and,
1: crazy singing and hilarity.
0: Yeah. And just, then uh, all I the just, other theaters can, in Philly.
1: Can I just say that like this makes the best how I got my equity card story ever? Remember how in the newsletter, I don't know if they still do it, they would always have like people telling how they got their card. You you'd be like, I was in a crack den.
0: <laughs> well <laughs> it came from up high. This is okay, I don't know if this is like if we should air this part, but the truth is my resume that I gave to media theater was uh, complete fiction.
1: Really? It like, was
0: complete nonsense.
1: Well, I mean, nobody, uh, let, let's be honest here. People look at a resume and they're like, okay, somebody else has trusted them before, but they're not going to give you the job based on what you did. It's on what you do in the room. So I, yes. I think that's fine.
0: Yes. But you know, it was very, <laughs> you're bulky. saying you're,
1: your, your career is built on lies.
0: Basically, like, (laughs) I even put, I didn't know that Philadelphia Theater Company existed. Uh And I was like, oh, that sounds like the name of a theater company. Oh, my God. And, like, you know, I listen, like, I'm I'm shocked that they didn't take a look at that resume and say, um, none of this is true. And then to, like, add to that, they had a local auditioner, you know, form to fill out. And they asked, how many EMC points do you have? Which is equity membership candidate points or something. Right. I had no idea what that meant. Right. I had no idea what that was. And so I put something like 150.
1: Oh, my God.
0: And like, I don't even know how many you need, like 10, I, 20, I, I have no idea. who knows? Yeah. And so they gave me their card. And literally, when I was like, you're giving me your, my card, they're like, well, you have the most experience. So congratulations. Oh <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> how
1: i got my equity card fraud
0: fraud i mean this was like 20 years ago but oh my God. so i apologize to the media theater for my lies
1: look this is the, the thing is that they're not gonna give you th- this card based on you know what's on paper they're giving it to you based on what you're putting on on their stage which i'm sure was spectacular because they let going to be me a tell better- you <laughs>
0: my solo they're all in cahoots yeah in um Jekyll and Hyde was really thrilling
1: i'm I'm sure of it <laughs> I'm absolutely sure of it um I mean everyone has a story everyone has to do whatever it takes um, <laughs> This might be... Now Now my podcast, Living the Dream, is investigative reporting. (laughs) It is getting to the bottom of the paperwork.
0: I know. But you know what? Those lies, it got me out of my abusive relationship. It got me... I I, I found the strength to be like, you know what? If I can do it here, I could do it in New York. Yeah. And it brought me to New York. It also stopped me from being a phone sex operator. So... The world lost Fiona, oh. thanks to Actors Equity. Um, oh she God. was very popular. What did and... Fiona? What did Fiona sound like? Did she have any? Yeah. This, hi, this is Fiona. Who's this? Oh, hi, Rory. Oh my gosh. Hi, Fiona. I, love I forgot about you. How could you ever forget? About I don't know. Fiona? I'll never
1: forget again.
0: Mm, you sound so masculine. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. Um, I see. I see why you had such a career. Um yeah. so you moved to New York. Uh-huh. You you're trying the city. It was it a huge shock being that you already had to f- kind of figure things out in Philly, or was it you know? Just well the it same? was
0: it was weird because I sort of um I continued acting in Philly for the first few years it would be as a local and then I would just like live on a friend's couch. Oh. And so I would come back and forth, and thank God for that, because New York is not easy to figure out. Right. And it's not about um, breaking
1: into a scene, it's yeah, the ultimate.
0: It's impossible, especially like all those open calls yeah. and chorus calls and EPAs. Like, you know, you're one of eight million people, and quite frankly, like nobody in casting really gives a shit.
1: Right. Um, there I remember seems- my first open call I went to in New York. I was so excited, and I finished my song, and and she said, "Wow, you're loud."
0: <gasps> what was that for?
1: Um, I'm sure it was one of many hairspray auditions.
0: Okay. I thought you had to be
1: loud. I am loud.
0: You're like, yeah, that's right. I am loud, bitch.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it's overwhelming, and, and and not to mention like, how do you feed yourself? Um, in a very expensive city because philly is expensive i'm sure but new york
0: not like new york yeah. and also how do you make friends like yeah. i'm very oddly enough like i'm i'm pretty shy when i don't know anyone huh? and so when you're in new york like i just sort of hid in my apartment for the first six months
1: yeah and you didn't know anyone
0: I mean, I knew some people, but I didn't really have like a community.
1: Right. Like a lot of people lot of moved friends. to New York with their class from a college or a group yeah. of people that are all in it together and Yeah, and
0: like, also oh. Yeah, well also like because I dropped out of school, like when I did that, a lot of my classmates I felt and maybe this was just me projecting, but I felt like they kind of thought I was a loser, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Not anymore, baby. Not anymore, bitch. (laughs) But um you know, so I didn't have that college community when I came up here. Right. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, I think I I think people when they get to the city, they want there to be a ladder. They want there to be a line. And they got a diploma, so they want to be further ahead in the line, and they want that to be acknowledged. When the truth is is that the city doesn't give a shit. The city doesn't care. And it's really just about showing up and doing your best work. And you know, that's why I say your resume was, you know, it's important. I mean, be honest on your resume, but.
0: Yes, be honest, everybody. Don't do what I did. Yes,
1: but it's not that important. It gets you in a room, but once you're in the room, you have to show who you are. And nobody cares what your diploma says, if you have one or not. And I think that when you have one, you know, and, 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 you know, I can say it as somebody who paid a lot of money to go to a, a really nice school and finished. There were people who didn't go at all that I was like, well, damn it. You know, like yeah. what, I got all this debt, you know, and what am I going to, you know, how can I justify that? And, and it's, I think in your early twenties, it's a lot about justifying your early decisions in adulthood and, yeah. and, and trying to, and and really you kind of like, try to make other people feel bad um or kind of put them in a place like they're not as in, in 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 the same place as you. So I can imagine that those folks were doing that to you and it wasn't all just in your head.
0: Maybe um maybe but, but I
1: think it's out of, you know, just fear of on their own part.
0: Yeah, but luckily, you know, like I I started working a lot regionally and I was able to make friends that way and that's yeah. also how I learned as a performer and I was like, oh, you know what? Education really does matter, Hmm. but I need, like I was a big member of Craig Cornelia's class um, for a long time. And, you know, I, I really believe in taking classes as much as you can, even to this day. It's like, oh, that's something I've never tried before. Let's take a class.
1: Hmm. Isn't it? It's funny because a lot of people who are not, Into education early on have such a switch when they like really figure out what they love or or find the right class and they have such a love of it because it's hard for me to go to classes when I do when I finally get myself into one or do something like that I love it but I was I I left college at twenty two and was like I don't want anyone to tell me what to do ever again (laughs) so it's kind of nice though because you have you you have the ability uh, of to bring experience with you into a classroom. And that yeah. really kind of changes you as a student.
0: Yeah, totally. So what was your
1: first moment in New York where you were like, oh, maybe this is going to work out?
0: Whew. I mean, I, I had a number of those moments, but they never led to a job. Huh. Which was odd. I remember, yeah. um, like my first big cattle call was for networks. For they were doing a bunch of non-actors. I think um, it was like Cabaret and Cinderella. They were looking for, and I went in and I remember um, I sang the song "Bigger Is Better" from When Pigs Fly, and I was just this like little little like a butterball of a twenty-one-year-old.
1: You were twenty-one.
0: You were 21. about twenty one, yeah wow. and um the director, after I finished, was like, "I want you to know that there's nothing like we don't have anything for you in this in this season, but you keep doing what you're doing because things are going to be just fine for you." Wow, and I remember being like in tears, like that was the validation that I needed in that moment. And uh, there were a lot of moments like that where it was like, "You're just way too young," or my first uh my first big callback or whatever was for the national tour of Town. yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. I did sixteen bars at the chorus call. they brought me back in It was uh Laura Stanzik was casting at Bender's office at the time, okay and so I did my sixteen bars, and she said, "Okay." do you have the rest of the song? And I was like, "Um, uh, okay, okay, let me try it. And I didn't know the words and she stopped me and she was like, are you really nervous right now? And I was like, yes. She was like, that's okay. Why don't we take a breath and just start on one of the sides? And she was so gentle and caring with me. I knew that there was no way in hell that I was gonna, you know, get another callback or have her even see me again, but that she took her time and recognized that I was just some kid that was way out of their league. And, um, you know, that kindness gave me courage to learn how to do better and to keep going.
1: Wow. It is, it, you know, those, those moments are so important, especially early on because you, you, you're not getting jobs and you're not make, you know, making connections, um, by, or getting, you know, uh, the reward of the, the acting gig. So getting that moment from someone is so important to keep you going. Yeah. If, if you don't have that, if you don't, if you don't have that, and sometimes you don't, you know, like sometimes, you know, people don't have time to be kind in that moment or take, take that time in the audition room. But I mean, how amazing that all these years later you remember that specific moment and how beautiful that is. And it keep, keeps you in the game.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm very grateful. She cast me in a show at Signature a couple years ago. And when she came to see the show, I was like, you're not going to remember this. Uh, but I told her the whole story. And we just like cried and hugged each other. You know,
1: oh, that's so sweet. I'm so glad you got to tell her about it.
0: Me too. She's a gem.
1: I mean, it, 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 a lot of people in casting, they have to break so many hearts. And then when they do make things and dreams come true, they don't really get to celebrate in it in the way that everybody else does. You know, like yeah. some people, some people in casting have changed my life, and I have, you know, I've sent them an email and maybe a gift, but I don't get to be in the rehearsal room or, you know, maybe I see them on opening night. There, there's some really great people in casting that, you know, I certainly owe everything to because nobody would represent me early on, and and yeah. Uh, they they're the ones who got me in their rooms. Um that's awesome. So you ha- so when did the first time I met you was when you were in the tribe. Was that early on in in your success or had you been on Broadway
0: before? <clears throat> no, I did the national tour of Wicked in oh. like 2005ish. Okay. And um then like it I got Hair in 2009. So you know, I didn't really work Uh, production contracts for about four years and even with hair like i was on my way out of the business that final callback just took it out of me i called my agent at the time and left him this voicemail about how like that's it i'm leaving the business i can't do this anymore it's just too hard and he called me the next morning and was like well hang in there a little bit longer because you're going to be doing hair wow so that was also like a huge game changer. Can I ask, for
1: what was it, what was it that at that moment, was it the audition itself or was it just where you were mentally with New York?
0: Um, it was, it was all of it. Um, wicked really put me in a bad place. Um, <clears throat> and then after that, like I had all these close calls and, um, I was working regionally a lot, which is wonderful, but, there's only so long that you can really live out of a suitcase and not make much money. Right. And, um, the final callback for hair lasted about five hours. It really? was
1: super intense. Was it like a group of people you having
0: to live it, like a tribe? Yeah. There was about 50 of us and they were looking for four swings. Oh, maybe five. God. And, um, it was very intense. One of the people in my dance group broke his knee, which was so chorus line and tragic. Um, oh, you know, it, my
1: God. It so,
0: was so intense.
1: Wow. So this was, it was dancing. Was it like, you know, like experimenting with drugs? What What else did
0: you yeah. have to do? Well, like the dance started off with like, okay, you're high. And I was like, oh, well, I know how to do that. Yeah. And, um, then we did the dancing and then they would pair us up and make us improvise for like, let the sunshine in and, you know, do, do all that kind of weird hippie stuff. And then you go out and wait in a hall until they bring you in. And so it was waiting in that hall for hours. I must've been at the very end of the list. Um, you know, and, uh, Meanwhile, they were having final callbacks for the Le Poisson guy in Little Mermaid for his replacement. Uh And I was like, why wasn't I seen for that? Right. You know, I was just, you know, very much pitying myself. And, you know, after I went into the room and left, I just felt like I blew it. Mm. And um, I was so sad and so defeated. And that's sort of what it was. I was just like, I can't, I can't feel like shit. Anymore. It's funny. And I don't know what that means. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I i I feel like a few times in my career and just in life in general, when it's 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 always darkest before the dawn. It's always like you really have to like surrender something or get to that place where you're like, you know what? If this isn't enough, then nothing is. And I feel like it's if you're giving enough of yourself over to something and it's it's about to pay off, it really can feel very uh lonely and desolate and it's kind of that space where you've you know you've given everything you can you know it's a scary thing if the world is you're like scared if the world is not going to respond in a positive way but many times it does and i felt like the the i wasn't in here but i feel like uh i, I mean i saw it many times and i was <laughs> so inspired by that cast i felt like there were a lot of my peers in it and uh you guys were a real force of nature, I think, at Broadway at the right time. And we and we got to celebrate marriage equality and fight for marriage equality. Yeah. And it was a really exciting time on on Broadway. Did you did you have a good experience with that?
0: Oh my God. It was heaven. I mean we all felt like rock stars. And um we were all so young, so excited. So in over our heads, because we didn't know what all this Broadway stuff was, we were like, "Yeah, we're gonna run for seventeen years, yeah. you know, and um, but it was so joyous, and it was such an exciting time to be a part of the Broadway community with Broadway Impact and our producers being like, "We're canceling a show, and you're gonna go down to d c and march for marriage equality, yeah, like it was everything that that you could possibly hope for
1: Mm. it was it was to me you know we we started broadway impact and gavin um was like you know i'm gonna be a part of this production of hair maybe that'll be um helpful (laughs) and and we talked to oscar eustace and and the staff of the public and and everyone involved and it was like this perfect union of the moment and you know it's it's you know some people could be cynical and be like oh it's you know it's it's good for the business to have something like be a protest but no one realizes how far they went to cancel shows to to get trips down to dc to take an entire cast there i mean this is a really really above and beyond just yeah. some something for publicity this was this was understanding that art has a place in in social change and uh you know i really do think that the movement of, of marriage, for marriage equality especially in the state of new york really got a huge boost by the cast of hair and what an, what, what an awesome thing to get to say that your show, which was phenomenal on stage, also had such a important important uh, accomplishment in real life.
0: Thank you. I, I feel that way, too. And it's funny because in hindsight, you know, back at, during the time, I it never felt like it was being, like this was for press. Right. Because, and granted in hindsight, I'm sure it did help with press, but I also feel... Like there's nothing wrong with that, oh. and um, but at the time the intentions were all marriage equality all the time.
1: Absolutely. Oh no, and especially for for the cast, everyone was just so gung ho about it. And you know, I mean, I this is the thing is that I've seen other casts in other situations who care about an issue, but with eight shows a week, you're you know, like I care do I care enough to give up my day off? Do I care yeah. enough to, to give the, this much more effort when I'm just struggling to get it out these shows eight times a week? And there was just such a tremendous amount of enthusiasm. Uh, and it really was because of the issue, because it was so important to people in the community. And you guys were l- literal rock stars. Everyone wow. in that cast was so, so important to Thanks. everything that was going on at that time. So when... When that show finished up, were you? You had said you guys all thought it was going to run forever, which it was such a tremendous success. But every show ends. Was oh, it yes. a, s- a surprise, or was there?
0: Um, it was my first experience with watching a show close, right. and um, I remember all of us like running down stage, being like, "This is the dawning of oh shit, no one's in the balcony. Right. Oh shit, no <laughs> one's in the orchestra. <laughs> Save your checks. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, and that's when you're like, "Oh shit the the ship is sinking. Mm-hmm. and um so you know, and my immediate reaction was like, "Hey, Oscar, is there going to be a tour?" Right. <laughs> and so, and there was, so I took it out on the road and had the time of my life with it there.
1: Ugh, I can't even imagine hair on the road must have been so much fun.
0: It was. I mean, it was also a lot. Like, eight yeah. show weeks are a lot. Yeah. But when your day off is on a bus, yeah. oh, Lord Jesus. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were all very close. But also, like, when you live in a tour bubble, you've toured. Like, mm. it's very much it's, – it's like living in a reality that is not reality. Yeah. And yeah. you get so close – And so like, you know,
1: well, especially in that cast, you're all getting, everyone's getting naked and having to live on stage as like this tribe, this, this group of one entity, you know, it's very much a show where everyone's in their face. It's different for me. Like I toured with Hamilton. I never saw another human being on stage except for like
0: (laughs) 20 seconds. So it's a
1: very, it was, it was different, but you guys really had to be close on stage and off.
0: Yeah. And um you know you also learn how to how to work with people when all of a sudden you don't love each other as much as you do on right. stage. Right. And um that was a big lesson for me. But um I did that for about a year, maybe a year and a half off and on, but um then I came back and was just super super lucky. A lot of things just kind of fell into place and um I think I I booked Elf or or Into the Woods right after that. I forget, but um, you know, either way, it was it was a lot of right place, right time. You
1: did Into the Woods uh, at uh, in the park with the mm-hmm. with the public, right? Yeah, that, that, that was a wonderful production. I saw that. Oh, love. Thank you. With, that with was Amy a dream. Adams. Do you know? I, I my husband Gerald just told me about this. I haven't seen it yet, but there's an interview. Um, They're doing these actors, talking to actors. It's Nicole Kidman and Amy Adams. You have to watch the whole thing. But um, I watched some of it, but Gerald watched the rest of it and told me that Amy talks about her time doing... Uh, doing the show in the park with you and that she talks about something about Nicole Kidman saying how great of, a, of an actress she is one um, and how great of a singer. And she says, Oh, but you know, I worked with this actress called Jesse Mueller and that's someone who really knows what she's doing. And it, like, they go on about Jesse Mueller for a little while. Yeah, it's very funny, but that experience must've been pretty wild to be working with a, you know, Oscar nominated movie star and you had donna murphy and it was it was a very quick experience right i mean you guys had to put the show together and put it in the park pretty quickly
0: well it i guess it was quick though it felt like a lifetime oh yeah um it was super intense everything that could go wrong totally went wrong really oh my god we lost all of our tech because it was it was uh we were having like storms every night lightning storms and when there's lightning you can't be outside outside, yeah so by the time that we had our first preview which was a disaster um we hadn't teched the show we hadn't even done like a run of act one wow so and you know like people there is no Worse enemy than a Sondheim fan scorned.
1: <laughs> yes, this
0: and true. though we did find our footing and we definitely found our rhythm, and the show got to be in the beautiful place that it was, you know, it was it was rough getting there. Yeah, and um, you know, it's odd how like a lot of the th- a lot of the theater fans <laughs> would just like walk up to you and tell you their opinion.
1: You know, I mean, well, into the woods especially is kind of like a uh, musical theater gospel to a lot yeah. of people and um you know we talk a lot about social media and um you know there's there's before there was social media there were chat rooms which are still alive and well um what do you think the effect of social media and 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 chat rooms and and the and the ability for uh the theater community to kind of uh Cannibalize itself, or yeah, to, you know,
0: like, what do you, what do you think the effect of that is on the on theater? Well, you know, I think that this isn't just theater; it's with all forms of entertainment. People mm-hmm. go online and they can say whatever they want, they can do whatever they want. Right. As far as the chat boards, I will not go near them. I would rather bathe my mother than go to the chat boards, just because, like. You're not you might find one or two good things, but you're you're asking to be insulted. It's like playing jumanji um now, as far as social media goes, my experience has been very positive. I find that the Broadway community does not tolerate shit talk right, especially online like it's one thing if you're with your boo and you're at home and you guys are. Talking about your opinions, that's totally fine. But when you bring it to the internet, it's just not tolerated. Right. Um, And so that has been my experience. And also, nobody cares more about the Broadway community than the community. Right. And we stand up for each other, we love each other, we applaud each other, and we also acknowledge that this is not easy. Right whether you're in Hamilton or whether you're in Rebecca, like this is not easy. Yeah, And we're all people and, you and, know, we, we deserve better.
1: Yeah. I, I think also because just in the way that you talked about being bullied in high school and then finding theater and finding a place that like made you feel safe. And, and there, there were people like you, that's why 99% of us, get into theater is because we've found each other. We found a community to support each other. So when there's negativity like that, or when there's bullying or, or just like, just sadness online, yeah. everyone kind of like, what What are you doing? That's not why we do this. You know, we, yeah. we do this to support each other. And obviously you, we can have our opinions and, and critique art, but there is a difference between critiquing something and trying to tear someone down personally online or doing something anonymously because even you know you're too ashamed to say it coming from your own mouth.
0: Yeah. Um you know, it's uh I feel like especially young people don't really realize how dangerous social media can be. Right. In the sense of like, oh, You shouldn't have tweeted that because anybody that is this part of this show or whatever, they will see it and your name will be brought up. Right. You know, like you you just, you have to be careful. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I mean, people are entitled to say whatever they want. And people, of course, are like, oh, are we not allowed to critique? And it's like, no, no, dude, you're totally allowed to critique. Just don't come at me. There's no need for it. And no. also, like, Broadway, I don't want to say that it's dying, because I don't think that it is. But it is not the Broadway that we grew up with, let alone the Broadway what that happened 20 years before us, you sure. know?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely not dying. It's It's expanding exponentially. It yeah. just doesn't look exactly the way that it did when we were falling in love with it.
0: Yeah, so if you want to care about it, care about it, but care about it in a positive way. Yeah. And know that it's okay if a show is not for you. There are so many shows that I that, you know, I don't necessarily see just because I know it's not my thing. Right. And that's totally okay. That doesn't mean it's bad. That right. doesn't mean anything negative other than like, oh, you know what? I'm going to see The Ferryman because that is a show that I think will speak to me right and I was right it was fierce if you haven't seen uh, it see
1: it I saw it in London it is so so good good crazy it's so good like just just it what's really nuts about the ferryman um is that now that we're just gonna talk about the ferryman. no um <laughs> the, I I saw it in London after being in Dublin on a trip and I got this whole tour of Dublin And a history of the IRA and of all of the the troubles, as they they call them. And so it was crazy because it was like this great uh, tutorial before going to see The Ferryman, which is just fantastic. It's on Broadway right now. So if you're in New York and want to see a crazy, amazing play with 172 kids in it, go (laughs) And really,
0: really hot Irish people. They're so hot. (laughs) I just want to marry them.
1: They are beautiful. Um, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, it's funny because it's such an exciting time on Broadway, um, for a lot of reasons, but you're right. It's not exactly what we grew up with. Um, and, and shows don't come into fruition in the same way that, that they did back in the day. Cause there's so many movies and, um, that are turned into musicals and some of them are so great. And some of them are just kind of like, Oh, they just wanted to Put something in that theater that people would know. Um, you've been a part of a lot of shows in the beginning, early process, including the one that you're in right now. There's a lot of discussion right now in equity about labs and mm-hmm. and and we, you know, I talked about this with Donalyn Champlin, who we just had on uh, last week. What are your thoughts about participation for actors in in? Um, in this these workshop contracts or lab contracts
0: i'm all about it um it's important to recognize that we are a part of the collaboration process um oftentimes you will find actors you know pretty much not writing the scripts but their improvs are what go in and um it's important that they're recognized. We aren't asking for the world, but we're asked we are asking for to be recognized in that way. And I think that it's very important.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I obviously I, I totally agree. And I think that people don't realize that, that how the sausage is made, how, how shows get made. And there's just years of development with, um, with or without actors but there's always every show goes through a process with actors at some point where they're basically trying the the uh, outfit on the actor see how it looks see how 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 the story goes and it's really up to the actor to pull off the material and uh if they can't do it then they're like well then this 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 needs to be re- rewritten this needs to be redone and if that wasn't a vital, important part of the process to create something, then, well, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, also, I've been a part of things where, you know, and they've had a number of actors play this role in development, and then they got rid of all those people to hire, like, an A-lister or something. Right, right. Meanwhile, the script is made up of everything that those actors did. Yeah. So you know there's no compensation you
1: know and and that's the thing is that for for me it's not about the people who get to open the show on broadway it's the people who didn't get to see that paycheck check from a production contract later on they their work should be recognized And the, you know, when, when they're taking time off from their temp jobs or their, you know, restaurant jobs to make sure that they can be there for those three weeks of that reading or that workshop where they're getting paid $300 a week, yeah, that's an investment. That's an investment of time. It's, it's also because they have taken the restaurant job to be available for those opportunities to be available at the ground floor. And so I think there's a, it's really about fostering a culture in the Broadway community, to say that we respect the fact that there are there's an entire community of of actors here who are ready and willing to work on our new pieces of art, yeah. Which is which and, is a skill in itself.
0: And I mean, come on, this is a billion dollar industry. Yeah, we are not asking for much, um, and uh, it's important. I mean, the whole lab was started to be used just because they didn't want to have to promise people a part, right? If the show moved on. Right. And I understand that, but at the same time like we are giving up everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: um it's it's just it's not right and they can do better and I think they know that.
1: Yeah. You have uh always been very very funny and now you're writing an original musical. Called yes. Bloody bloody Jessica Fletcher murder she wrote live, which I have not seen, but this is basically should be called Rory O'Malley's musical. I'm so excited
0: <laughs> that you are doing this. Tell me all about it. Oh my god, it's so fun. Well, um, we we've been developing it for a long time. Um, Beth Level has been Jessica Fletcher, which oh has my been
1: my god,
0: unreal. Um, and uh, we got picked up. By, uh, by a fancy producer this year, um, how Leftig's office decided to option it with Kerry uh, Wright. I mean uh, Craig Hafner and Sherry Wright being the ones uh, heading, the, heading the project. Amazing. We are getting a some sort of presentation at a festival at a theater called The Other Palace in London. Wow, which is really exciting, so that's happening in February.: Fantastic. And uh, we are getting a lab in March.
1: So all of this, how did it come about? And, and what does it feel like to be on the other side of things, writing and uh, creating something?
0: Well, uh, Kevin Zach, who's, uh, who's one of my co-writers, he and I were doing workshops of this musical called Clinton. Clinton right. the musical. Right. And right. Um, we were just joking around about like an Angela Lansbury musical and he was like bloody bloody Angela Lansbury and we both started dying and then we were like hey let's <laughs> let's write a show about murder she wrote and literally like that's just what happened i was talking to Jennifer Tepper and i was like yeah i'm working on this thing with my friend we think it would be funny and she was like well do you want a night at 54 below and we were like, "Yeah, sure, okay. Now we have three months to write a musical, Wow, and so we did. We brought on uh Keith Varney, who does most of our music and lyrics, and um Philip Teratula, um who's also in the show, and we banged out a musical it was it sold out immediately and The crazy thing about that was it wasn't our friend that bought the tickets. It was all these like Murder, She Wrote fanatics.
1: Oh, wow. There's like
0: fan clubs everywhere. We had people take buses into the city to see it. Uh. And we were like, holy shit, maybe we should like actually take some time and really, really develop this. So we did. And um, we did a few presentations for like all the fancies that you can think of. Uh we did a fundraiser, a GoFundMe, where we raised a little over twenty grand to produce that. And uh, P.S. It is amazing how much things cost. Yeah. Um. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, it's it so costs it's, it, so much money.
1: It's really helpful to produce something um, to see the other side of things and be like, "Wow, there's a lot of risk involved with putting yeah. all this money into."
0: Well, at twenty grand, like we went to a GM to to hire them to oversee it, and we were like, "Well, we would love to do a lab," and they were like, "This is going to be one of the cheapest readings we've ever done." Yeah, and it was like, "Oh shit!" Well, let's make it work, and luckily we did.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's I'm I'm so glad that you're going down this road because, as I said, I think you're one of the funniest people on Broadway, and Mm. I think that you should be writing you should be creating in this way it's more more stuff for you to perform and for all of us and i guess i'm also just saying uh like put me in something
0: so <laughs>
1: <laughs> um i i when we got to work together in little miss sunshine i just had the best time and i was so grateful oh. that i got to say i worked with josh and that we oh had my
0: God. that
1: time because we just I, i've just always clicked with you you know and i i think that you're a really special Um, person and I'm really grateful for all your honesty and uh, vulnerability here on the podcast today. (laughs) It's, it's important, you know, like when people really are honest about their, their journey uh, I think it helps everyone who's listening. So thank you so much for being on the podcast.
0: I feel the same way about you. I love you so much. I still miss Little Miss Sunshine and um, for all of you musical theater fans who are working as phone sex operators, (laughs) just know that you can put that phone down forever <laughs> I and mean, join me on the Broadway.
1: At least for now. For now. <laughs> um, I adore you. Thank you.
0: I love you, too. Audition, side
1: jobs, swimming upstream, believe it or not, you're living the dream.